And now, brought to you by Cliff Graham's Good Battle Chewers, because all other Israel trips are for Ponzi's. www.goodbattletewers.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, by my good friend and partner in radio, Zachary Bartles. And and Zach, I couldn't help but uh, reflect on the fact that um, we connected via Zencaster, uh, crystal clear Zencaster audio. And rather than spending our, our usual 20 to 40 minutes like jacking around and getting super frustrated with audio, we just we just chatted like friends. You know what I mean? We had a we had a friendly chat in which you uh, made the observation that it's better than than phone talking because with a phone, you hold it up to one ear. Uh, but with this, we, we have each other in both ears, as it were, that- which sounds kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I did say that and I did like that sort of. But in the long term, I don't uh-huh. know what it, the effect is going to be on our relationship. And what I mean by yeah. that is I think a lot of, you know, there's 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 couples and we're not a couple. I mean, we're a couple of guys, no, not at all. but but there yeah. are couples who like thrive on, you know, drama and, and mm. danger and insanity and they have to be shouting at each other. I feel like our relationship yeah. is really built on, you know, struggling against the technology. And if it Absolutely. all goes smoothly, are we going to gr- grow apart and drift apart? I know. I know. I have that concern, too. And, and you know what, Zach, as luck would have it, I go weeks without anyone ever calling my office phone. And now someone's, <laughs> someone's calling me on my office phone. Did you hear well, that in the background? Yeah, let's listen to you answer your office phone. That sounds like good Actually, radio. It just, it just rang to voicemail. So okay, um, if they call back, you're, you're not going to answer calls. No, I don't answer calls, dude. Uh, but if they call back while we're on the air, I'll uh, I'll pick it up and we can we can do some live radio with that. So um, <laughs> that'll be exciting. And Zach, there's so much I want to talk about on uh, on today's program, but I want to get to something that you mentioned off the air. And it, uh, it bothered me a little bit for you. Um, because, because we are a couple in, in a way, like professionally, (laughs) we're a couple and, um, you, you made reference to the fact that someone referred to you adjectivally as trogzy. Yeah. Meaning, and, and if you're not a, a fan of, you know, either of my programs, or you haven't been a long time listener of, of this show, we, we welcome you. Number one, thanks for, uh, thanks for checking out the Get Check podcast. But uh, there's a person that we kind of had some, we, ha- we have some shared history with. His name is Stephen Altrogi. We call him Trogues. Um, and I haven't interacted with Trogues in a long time. I don't know if you have or not, but, but Trogues has a, a unique set of sort of personal qualities. And I'm just curious about who referred to you as Trogzy and why they did that. All right. Let me give you a hint. Okay. You were in the room when it happened. Okay. And I wasn't. Okay. And a hundred of your closest friends were also there and in on it. Oh, was this at Live in Louie? It was indeed. And someone referred to you as Trogzy. Yes. Fascinating. Now, now it's narrowed down to a very small number of people who could have possibly done it. Right. It's one of it. It was uh, it was either the son of a famous theologian or it was a scrawny hipster, former musician turned pastor who referred to you as <laughs> Trogzy. And I'm going to I'm going to roll the dice here and I'm going to gamble on it being uh, one Ron Martin. 
co-host of uh, of another podcast that I'm involved in. Is that, that is that true? That is right the on? one, man. Absolutely, that is that is uh, dead on the the nose, and and it. it um, I only heard it because. Okay. Let me tell you the story. Tell me. Uh, and this informs something else we're going to do today. Okay. I was on Twitter, which is a dumb thing to be. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I saw somebody saying, oh, my gosh, Live in Louisville was so fun. Yeah. Um, I especially loved it when Ted went off on Dead Poet Society. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute. I think that was our program. Yeah. And then I realized that probably what happened is that was on your mind because we had recorded this two hour long thing, yeah. but we hadn't posted it yet. And yeah. then you talked about it on on that thing. Yeah. Um, well, what happened was somebody somebody asked my opinion on the movie It's a Wonderful Life, which I also hate. And I equated it to Dead Poet Society. I basically said it was the faux deep like Christmas version of Dead Poet Society. And then uh-huh. everybody got they my, my point was missed, though, in that everybody in the room got like immediately hung up on on me hating Dead Poet Society. And like I, I took a whole bunch of grief for that. And which you were to, right to do, though. I was right to do it, and I stand by that. But uh, but I really had to defend myself, and I felt I felt this like all the all the warmth in the room kind of being sucked out momentarily as as I found myself having to defend my uh, my views on the movie Dead Poet Society. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how we got from there to Ronnie Martin referring to you as Trogzy, which which. Uh, forgive me for not taking umbrage to that in the moment. I think I must have not been paying attention to my own live show. But uh, Ted, no, you you uh, you you defended me with honor that day. Okay, honestly, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I popped. I hadn't listened full disclosure to the Happy Rant podcast in about six months. Okay, but okay. I just was curious mm-hmm. what you know, what kind of dead poet stuff was said, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be have a whole bunch of overlap, you know. Yeah. So I, what to leave out of our our clips? Yeah, and uh, so I listened to it. And someone asked about the Chaz episode. Oh, like, yeah, who yeah. was that? Yeah, that's which is why I came up. Yes. Um, and uh, and and Barnabas said that that uh, you know all, all of his interaction with me is angry tweeting online. Oh, okay. Um, which I don't know. That's I don't know that I I went back through reading them. I'm like, yeah. in, I mean, you could read it with like an internally angry voice. Almost sure. anything I say, but sure. I don't know. I feel like I have kind of a flip view of things. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, huh. kind of a laissez-faire kind of making fun of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then. Uh, you said, what kind of things does he get angry about? Uh-huh. And he said the same stuff that Stephen Otrogi gets angry about. Oh, uh, at which time Ronnie affirmed, um, yeah, Bar- Bartles is kind of trogsy. Mm. And then I think he was like, hold on a second, Ted, you can just turn off your, your mic. And they turned and said, do you have a cell phone number for Vody Bauckham? I have a great idea for an article. Oh, OK. Interesting. Interesting. I don't think you're trogsy at all, baby. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I didn't even take it as a uh, as an insult. Yeah, yeah. How, wh- when there there are things about trogs that I admire, baby. We've got a lot of business to get into, and I feel like this is going to be an app sort of devoted to us talking about our various side hustles. But uh, it, before before we get too deep into that, you have uh, you have some news from uh, from Gut Check Publishing. Now your, your new book, the, the new book that you just released, did that drop on the Gut Check label? Or is that like a, a totally new Zachary Bartles label? Ted, I love that we are so kind of chill about our imprint that you don't even know yeah. what books are on it. And yes, exactly. you know, we're kind of just doing it. Uh, so, so, uh, on the fly. Yes. Uh, playing St. All Souls Day does indeed have. Dude, I love it. I love that. That's exciting. So, you released this book uh, recently, like a couple of weeks ago, correct? And you had a signing at mm-hmm. uh, at Baker Bookhouse. 
which is the site of, of, you know, a lot of the excess and decadence that's, uh, that's come <laughs> our way in publishing. Now I, I have a question to ask you about the signing and then I want to, uh, I want to hear a little bit about the book in general. So, uh, Zach, shortly before I left town, we had a situation, um, at another book event in Grand Rapids. Uh, this was sort of a private event. This was a private book <laughs> signing at a gentleman's home. And I use that term gentleman loosely, but I know a really nice carpet in that home. Yeah. Very, very nice carpet. They just had the carpet <laughs> cleans. And, uh, I, I know that because I was forced to walk outside to, in order to leave the premises. But, uh, Zach, I wondered if I, I want to give this man a pseudonym so that there's no, there are no hurt feelings in the, in the wake of what happened. I'm going to call him Panama Jack. Okay. Is it okay with you? I want to make sure that doesn't like trigger anything for you if I call him Panama Jack. Is it okay if I do so? I have worked through this. There's been a lot of counseling. There's been a lot of guided meditation. I'm at a place now, Ted, where I can hear the words Panama Jack and and I don't start to, you know, hyperventilate or anything. Well, that's good, baby. You've uh you've 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 grown a lot and and I'm still working through it, I'm not gonna lie. But I wondered (laughs) Because the, the Grand Rapids book community and the, the community of authors is, is kind of small and close knit, I wondered if you were able to see Panama Jack at your latest book signing at Baker Bookhouse. No, man. PJ was at my last uh, signing, but not at this one. So at your last signing, did PJ covenant to spread the word about your books and then steal a carton of them on the way out? Was no, that how at, it went? at the last signing is when PJ covenanted to have us at his event and allow us to sell our books with the promise that our arrival would prompt much kind of pomp and ceremony and celebration mm. and that yeah. a lot of people would want to buy them. That, yeah, that was where that where that was where the, the uh, kind of idea was initially floated. Here's here's what our appearance actually prompted. And you fill in the cracks on on my memories because it's been a few years. Um, imagine Zach walking out into, um, a a really nice back patio kind of scenario in which there are lots of men sitting around chatting and none of them even look up or acknowledge your presence (laughs) in any way. And then the host Panama Jack introduces you and gets your name wrong. Um, (laughs) and, and the, the, the response that that elicits around the room is more not looking up or acknowledging in any way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I have to tell you, that was the high point. That was the best moment of the evening. <laughs> Ted Clunk. Ted Clunk. Yeah. Clock. I, I don't know, know what it was. Yeah. But it's, only, yeah. it's only right on the cover of all the books that he was allegedly really excited about. But here's the thing, Ted. It did get better from that from that point. We, we wound up sitting down next to a really awkward guy who yeah. I remember started telling us kind of in a, a strangely lascivious tone about how he and his wife – uh, this is an older guy with an older wife, yeah. but a new wife, um, yes. newly married, how he and his wife share cigars frequently um, mm. and then proceeded to take out his kind of old man phone and swipe mm. through six or seven semi boudoir photographs <laughs> of his uh, older wife uh, yes. saying like, eh, eh. Well, we uh-huh. kind of like texted each other frantically like we got to get the um, yeah, I, 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 I remember it that way. You're, you're, you're running on money. This is going to sound weird about that guy, but like the moment I saw him, I said, that's the guy who he looks like an older guy with a new wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. He had the look of an older guy with a new wife. That's a look, but, but, but in a sad way, you know what I mean? 
Not in like an Well, it manifested in a sad and creepy way. In so, a sad and creepy funny. way. Like he had that kind of like, he had that florid sort of, like, <laughs> that florid kind of old guy face. And he had, he had like a, a youthful haircut that was like one or two sort of generations not appropriate for a guy of his age. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a spiky so he was, little haircut. He was renewing his youth here after this. Uh, he felt like a new man is what it was. He felt like and, a new man. He's sowing his wild oats and re- renewing And he wanted to youth. share those oats with strangers and not buy their book. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to buy your book. Don't get me wrong. I just want to show you creepy pictures of my wife. luckily for you and i there was literally no chance that we were going to kind of fall into sin at this at this point no um yeah it was too sad it was too sad to fall into sin oh my goodness Uh, we have it reminded me a lot let me tell you a, a, a similar story yeah yeah the first the first day i was at my new dorm at cornerstone university uh-huh um i I don't know why, but I had purchased and brought with me a large poster. I think I got it at Kmart okay. of Alicia Silverstone. Ooh. You remember her? Oh, yeah. Do I remember her? Yes. <laughs> you remember I, Clueless? I and you remember being a young man watching Clueless in high school? Yeah. Do um, I remember being an adolescent at all and, and furtively <laughs> watching that Aerosmith video? Yes, I do remember that. <laughs> so was that was that crying? No, that or was crazy. Uh, it was crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's yep. a good song. And it was a cool video. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm putting this thing up and it was just her face. It was like her face, like 13 times bigger than her actual face. Yeah. And um, the, I, I'm putting it up. My roommate was like, I don't know how I feel about this because I'm super holy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, well, obviously I'm super edgy here at the Christian mm-hmm. College mm-hmm. neck up poster of Alicia Silverstone. And um, so a guy yeah. comes wandering in. Turned out to actually later on be kind of a good friend of mine, but he's an odd duck, very odd duck. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, mm-hmm. he said, who's that? Is that your girlfriend? And I said, no, it's, it, as a matter of fact, this is a famous actress named Alicia Silverstone. And he said, oh, I got one even better. I'll be right back. He disappeared for okay. a while. Dude comes back like uh-huh. three minutes later. <laughs> with a oh, no. Here it comes. <laughs> with a shampoo bottle. <laughs> with a with a what? picture, a photo of a lady on the on the bottle, and he's like, "Ah," and I was like, "Yeah, she's just pretty." <laughs> and wait, wait, wait. So, so he was attracted, like, in a, in an erotic way to the lady on the shampoo bottle, <laughs> or he was just trying to connect to me, and that was the closest he could get to. He was trying to connect with you. He was trying to basically say, "I'm I'm not gay either. I like women, <laughs> right?" But instead, he produces a shampoo bottle on which. I'm guessing it wasn't like a high res <laughs> image of like an actual woman. I'm guessing it was some sort of colors. like a, yeah, it was like a, it was like a rendering of a woman. Am <laughs> I, I think right? It was actually a photo. It was just very. Maybe how long has it been since we used photos of actual women on shampoo bottles? I'm fascinated. Oh man! So this would have been 1996. I started college. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, <laughs> that that my response to that was the very same response to this gentleman and his his pictures of his it reminded me also of of have you seen the movie um uh wyatt earp yeah it was like the kevin costner boring 20 hour version of tombstone oh it was terrible yeah awful movie you know that's one zach that we should uh we should use for bad movie night and and yeah if we have like uh if we're all snowed in and we're not able to leave the house for three days because that's how long it is exactly it's a three-day long movie it's a movie marathon (laughs) in and of itself (laughs) 
but there's a scene in which somebody pulls out like I don't know how they even made photos back then in this kind of mid late 19th century setting, uh-huh. but but very grainy picture of of his I guess it's his wife or it's his his live-in girlfriend traveling companion, mm. uh, and and uh, Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp is kind of like oh awesome she's pretty. <laughs> and uh, and I and I remember then uh, the guy like took some of Wyatt Earp's books and was like, you know what, I'll covenant to give these. And then then Wyatt yeah. Earp just shot him dead in the street. Exactly, which is which is how that would have been an alternate ending to our scene. <laughs> I feel like Wyatt Earp handled that much better than we did. <laughs> in that we we just drove off and and you know uh, said lots of things that we regretted for the next two hours. But uh, but to answer your question, no, my signing in Grand Rapids was nothing like that. That's good. I'm glad it wasn't. So, baby, before we segue out of this, what do you want to tell people about the book? Where can they get it? Um, what can they expect, etc.? Well, what they can expect is gut check, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning diehard references. Yeah. Meaning uh, stuff that would never be allowed in a corny, uh, you know, middle-aged woman-dominated traditional Christian publishing market. Absolutely. Uh, lots of uh, gut check army surnames. Okay. Uh, like, so if you're kind of interacting with us on Twitter, you're probably in this book in some yeah. form. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Chuck Weebus is in the book. Weebus. Uh, we've got some some refs to to some you know crossovers with with Reraptured and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and you can get it uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, uh, Books a Million. You know, wherever you get books. And and I got an ebook. Um, that's that's currently four ninety nine. I'm thinking of even dropping it a little lower. And okay. uh, the paperback at the beginning of December is going to go down uh, a little bit. But right now you can you can get it uh, with prime shipping and everything. So yeah, go ahead and and buy that thing because nice, uh, that shows your support for Gut Check and uh, and for me. And it shows that you're the very opposite of Panama Jack. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Zach, that's a perfect segue into someone whose <laughs> whose surname is is definitely uh, most definitely not in your new book. And we had we had a sad moment. And I think what we need oh, to do is, yeah. is probably have a moment of silence here on the air because uh, history was made recently, Zach, in the Gut Check Army. And we had our first unsubscriber from the Gut Check Army. In the, it wasn't our oh, first, but it was definitely the the resounded the loudest. It resounded the loudest. It was our most noteworthy, and uh, we we don't we don't have that a lot. We don't get a lot of unsubscribers in the Gut Check Army, but um, but this but one people are probably afraid once they have the uh, the login and the password in their hip pocket. If they unsubscribe, right. what's going to happen to them? And they should be. Right. They should so be. The Graham's on retainer, you guys. That's right, and there's there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being in the Gut Check Army. But uh, Zach, I want you to talk about this gentleman and just try to put a. Just, just bring some closure to this because I'll, I'll tell you, I'm still, you know, I'm still hurting over it, and uh, I'm not sure what I want to do with my feelings about this. <laughs> so, um, why, why don't you explain for the audience who this was and what it means to lose uh, this person? Um, hey, Ted. Aside, mm-hmm. I, uh, you know what I'm drinking what? right now? The last of my uh, little Paucho instant Hebrew coffee. Oh, nice. Thanks. Nice. The last one nice. um, that we brought. Did you bring any of those home from Israel or, or not? Yeah, I didn't manage to like abscond with any of those from Israel. So I brought like 40 of them home. Nice. I've been drinking tons nice. of them. I'm not welcome back in Israel now, actually. Yeah, exactly. There's a travel ban just for you. <laughs> um, wait, what was the question? The question <laughs> oh, yeah, was, right, right. No, I want you to eulogize this gentleman who we who we lost from the Gut Check family this week. Uh, well, 
I'll tell you what happened was I, it was a moment where I was really excited and elated and happy because my book was available. Mm-hmm. My book was out there. It was done. It was exactly how I wanted it to be. And I was sending out the email, uh, the kind of release to the gut check army. I'd already sent one to my like author newsletter and stuff, yeah. but this was what I was really excited to be able to tell the gut check army is out there. So I hit send on it. And if you ever use MailChimp, yeah. there's a little monkey hand that high fives the screen. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I high five that hand, right? I I did it. And a moment later, Mm -hmm. like 20 seconds later, up comes a new email that says unsubscribe from list gut check army. Oh, that just takes the wind out of your sails, baby. No joke. Which means this, this fellow got the email that said, Hey, my new book is available. Celebrate with me. Hooray. And was like unsubscribe. Mm -hmm. And then I noticed his moniker, Mm. Ted, and I was like, "What are we gonna? What are we gonna do without this guy? Yeah. What are What are we gonna do? Yeah. Uh, because his name is uh, Warrior Poet, mm. which I think really kind of sums up the ethos of the Gut Check Army and our program. Yeah. yeah it does. Uh, and you and I, for that matter. Exactly. Now, I we we have a little bit of history with Warrior Poet. Is that on this program or my other program? I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. Are you aware of this? No. Oh. What's going on with Warrior Poet? No, you need to eulogize him. This is fascinating. Okay, so I, I'm i conflating my two programs, um, which is... That sounds dirty. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Never do that. You, you'll go blind. But um, <laughs> in conflating my two programs, uh, I assumed that the backstory with Warrior Poet happened on this show, but it actually happened on my other show. Um, and it involved... I'm just, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I may or may not, Zach, have really made fun of the screen name Warrior Poet. And Warrior Poet himself may or may not have sent me like lots and lots of words via email in response to me doing that. And <laughs> I've heard that story. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, I'm happy to report that like like we all kidding aside, we had a we had a truly like good and productive dialogue about it. And uh, and I feel like the Well, apparently he didn't forgive and forget because the moment he saw a gut check, he thought Ted Cluck and he hit unsubscribe. Yeah. That takes the weight off my shoulders. That's good. It, does. To know. it takes the weight off your shoulders. But now I still feel like there's something in the room between me and Warrior Poet. Now, <laughs> given that he's unsubscribed still, what what are the odds that he still will listen to this program or that someone in his life will be like, hey, Warrior Poet, they're talking about you again. You know, you, you better give this a listen. He'll be unhappy in a very happy way. Yes, he'll be, right? he'll be he'll be unhappy in a satisfied way, like, you know, in a way that you wouldn't even say out loud necessarily. But it's it's the sort of way that says, yes, I still exist. I'm still important to these people. Um, and they're talking about me. So there would be a little flush of satisfaction. But then would there be sort of a dark underbelly of oh, wait a minute, they're kind of making fun of me again. Would it be that? I think you're probably going to see more words in your inbox is okay. one thing. I would like to not see words, though. So I'm just going <laughs> to be real clear and upfront about how how I'd rather not have more words in my inbox about it. Um, <laughs> my question to you pastorally, though, is, and you're you're the man of the cloth on this program, what do I need to say at this moment to make sure I don't get words in my inbox? Or do I what I've needed to like, start not saying things like four or five minutes ago. If, if I was really concerned. I think probably if you were to covenant 
mm-hmm. to uh, delete any incoming emails from uh-huh. Warrior Poet okay. uh, without reading them, probably uh-huh. that would preempt any of them coming in. I mean, unless he's somebody who just wants the satisfaction of knowing he'd sent mm. it. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Well, the problem is I have like nine friends that are named Warrior Poet. So I don't know which <laughs> Warrior Poet I'm talking Is everybody in this room named Bobby Rasigliano? Dude, is- frankly, there's one person alive who could pull off the name Warrior Poet. Yeah. And, but he would never call himself. Yeah, right. And he would never would. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered some big news. Ba- the bad news is goodbye, Warrior Poet. The good news is we found Kahan mad, dude. Yes, we did. Oh, my goodness. And I thought it was a, a poser at first, but it's the real deal. Yeah, it's the real Kahan man. Zach, what can you tell me about your interactions with Kahan man? I can tell you that he's not great at spelling, but he is really great at uh, putting words together. Okay. Um, what he lacks in spelling, he makes up for in, in the wordplay, the actual composition itself. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I just read the email from him, the initial one? Yeah, please do. Lay it on me. So it says from, and get this, dude, John Boy. I'm not going to read his email John address Boy. on there, but dude, yes. now come on, John I Boy. I know. Uh, subject, I am Kahan Man. Uh, mm-hmm. And he spelled Kahan Man, C-H-O-N, C-A-H-O-N. He spelled, he spelled, he just kind of spelled it phonetically then. Right, right. I guess. Uh, he says, what's up, guys? I'm coming forward to say mm-hmm. that I am Kahan Man, which to me now, knowing it's really him, mm-hmm. it sort of strikes me as, as Tony Stark at the podium saying, you know, I am Iron Man. Remember that? It is. It's that, it's that kind of announcement. Absolutely. It has that kind of gravitas to it. <laughs> All other Kahan Mans with an apostrophe, not Kahan Men, Kahan Mans, who came before me are thieves and robbers. Mm. There have been many Kahan Men. <laughs> He builds a kind of an apologetic for it. He says, this is how I got the name. I changed churches a while back and showed up to the first music practice with a guitar. There were already Mm. three other guitar players, but no one played percussion. So they sort of voluntold me. Uh (laughs) Don't you like that? Mm -hmm. Uh, They sort of voluntold me to sit on this box called a Cajon and play it for a congregation who, for the most part, believed any sort of rhythmic beat was of the devil. Mm. The team leader added me to an app that keeps up with all our music, and the username he gave me was, wait for it, mm. Kahan Man. K-Han. I used the name for my iTunes account because I couldn't think of anything else at the time. Mm-hmm. Sorry for my delayed response. I was a little behind on the podcasts. Thanks for bringing grade A podcasting, you guys. John. Ah, oh. Kahan Man, welcome aboard. And and Zach, it's, it's only, it's kind of symmetrical, and it's kind of right that on the same day we lose a warrior poet, we add a Kahan man, you know? And at the end of the day, I'll I'll take that, you know, I'll take that. That's a win. That's a, it's a win-win sort of, um, the lose win. It depends on how you look at it. But, uh, I, I am now announcing the winner of the contest. Kahan man wins. Kahan man is the big winner in the casino tonight. Um, and he is going to get a, a little, half pound bag of uh, gut check espresso and mm. a hardcover of the smoking book in his mailbox. I love it, baby. I love it. And so, that reminds me, let's talk about gut check espresso. Uh, dude, I have a box full mm. of little bags of it in my yeah. office because of giveaways I'm doing with my books. Yep. Every time I walk by it, I'm, my mouth just waters. Dude, oh, it smells good. like heaven. So Hector Ligaris, official coffee roaster of the gut check podcast. Coffee uh, he, alchemist. Coffee alchemist. He is Puerto Rican. 
Um, and he roasts wonderful coffee. He has created uh, a gut check espresso, bold and dark, just like the hosts of this program. And by dark, I mean sort of conceptually dark. Our, our skin <laughs> is very light. So <laughs> I don't want to mislead anyone. I, I feel like there, there could be confusion about that statement. Um, well, your podcast said sometimes I don't know what's what. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, but go to uh, gutcheckpress.com. Um, slash podcast. You can find old episodes and you can find, I believe, a link to uh, Ligaris Roasters where you can purchase uh, your own bag of Gut Check Espresso. Um, Zach, that is enough. That is enough business for the moment. But uh, I have another business thing to lay on our on our listeners. Um, and it involves you. It involves me. And it involves one Cliff Graham. Uh, uh-huh. And that is we received some correspondence at our office uh, from Mr. Graham, indicating that he wants to host a writer's conference with the two of us. So just the three of us. Um, the conference will be called Write Like a Man, and we want to do it this summer. So we're still hammering out details with Cliff's office, Cliff's intern, our people. Um, we're hard at work on these details, but there's going to be a, a essentially a gut check slash Cliff Graham co-branded writing conference called Write Like a Man. And uh, baby, I just want to get your feedback on what that might look like and how you're feeling about it. Well, this has been in the wind for like two years now. In yeah. the wind is yeah. the wrong word. In the ether? In the ether. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was me who brought it up because I was just sitting here. here. Let me tell you why it was on my mind. Yeah. To be funny, I wore one of the lanyards to my signing event. <laughs> okay. And I took all the, you know how at writing conferences, there's ribbons? Yeah. More ribbons you have, the more value you have. You know what I mean? Yes, like they absolutely. stick to each other and go down your abdomen. Yeah. Um, I wore them and I put all the ribbons together. So mine went like to my mid thigh mm-hmm. just to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking at that thing thinking, you know, I'm never going to one of those writing conferences again, ever. Yeah. And then I, I, I thought to myself, will I ever go to any writing conference again? And then I remembered that you, me and Cliff had been talking in Israel. And before that, just, you know, Skyping about this, uh, write like a man idea. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of, started that uh, dialogue back up and mm-hmm. Cliff's open to it and excited about it. Uh, and I love it. We got to make it happen. <laughs> Baby, you remember my favorite, my favorite writing conference moment ever. Um, it was in Grand Rapids. It was for some, I don't know. I don't even remember the name of the writing conference anymore. It's not important, but we were, we were not the target demo. Let's just su- suffice it to say that. And we were sitting in, <laughs> We were sitting in a panel discussion, but we weren't on the panel. We were just in the audience. And um, <laughs> you you made reference to the woman who was speaking and you you wrote a note to me that said she looks like an anime. <laughs> it, to which I replied, I started laughing and then I replied back and I said, draw her. <laughs> and you drew a little anime version of this woman flying through the air with her fist out. Yeah, I remember that. I feel like that was one of the funniest like things I've ever experienced in the publishing industry. That was one I of those really... sad Christian writing conferences that was in a church and yes. uh, like a really affluent like Grand Rapids area church. And yeah, I remember being like transported back. Like this is the exact dynamic of when I was like 13 and I finally was old enough <laughs> to like sit with my buddy during church instead of my parents. Yeah. And we would draw Dude, on our right. bulletins and laugh really hard. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We've, we've not evolved much since then. <laughs> It was the self-same dynamic. 
Baby, I can't wait until Write Like a Man conference because, A, we'll be headlining our own writers conference, which is a thing that should have happened decades ago. Um, B, we get to do a project with Cliff. It'll be sort of reminiscent of, uh, of Israel. And C, we'll get to do everything um, kind of in the gut check way. So it'll be great food, cigars. Um, lots of after hours opportunities that will be, uh, that'll be amazing. So dude, what's uh, more, can we have a prayer of maybe recapturing the vibe of, um, kibbutz? Oh, what was the name of the one in Jerusalem? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. They all kind of run together, but I, I remember that kibbutz very kibbutz well. That was my favorite. Raquel. It was, it was, it's sign of a battle. Um, yeah. And we were up on that every night, three nights in a row. We were up on that, uh, that I guess it was kind of a balcony. Or it was, it a was a porch. Patio. It was like a porch balcony. Yeah. Smoking cigars into the night, laughing so hard. And mm-hmm. uh, man, that was such good times. Uh, Dude, my favorite thing about that porch balcony was that they had uh, they had like a little picnic table on top of like a section of AstroTurf. Yes. Yes. So it combined a lot of my favorite things. Cigar smoking and AstroTurf and, and podcasting with you guys. Yeah. And what? And picnics. And picnics. Who doesn't like picnics? Who doesn't like picnics? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Baby, we've got time for just uh, one more topic. And I, I want to, you you teased this off the air. And by teased it, I mean, we just spoke about it as friends before we got on the air. Um, I want you to tell me about the mouse in your office. You had a mouse in your office this week. I, I, if we what only have time like? for one more topic, I want to table the mouse. Because okay. Ted, earlier I, I said, what about you? After we said we were talking about my book, I said, do you have anything that uh-huh. we can promote? And you said, uh-huh. oh, not really. And then as sort of an afterthought, you said just kind of just offhand, offhandedly, uh-huh. you said, uh, yeah. well, I'm starting, <laughs> starting a shoe company <laughs> with some gentlemen from New York. Is that interesting? <laughs> and to which I said, yes, that may be the most interesting thing I've heard in a long time. So uh, tell us about this shoe company. Yeah. Okay. So this actually brings in the astroturf from uh, from the previous bit, but the same astroturf or no different different okay. astroturf, big A astroturf, just like kind of universal astroturf. I see. Okay. Yeah. So in the in the nineteen eighties and the early nineteen nineties, there was a specific kind of shoe that athletes would wear on astroturf. It was called a turf shoe, and it had a, a very specific kind of nubby sole on it, um, in which the sole was sort of pebbly with these these little nubs. And, um, I really loved like the look of these shoes and I always kind of admired it. And now that I'm an old man and I'm drawn to, uh, watching like games and highlights from, you know, the, the last era that I actually cared about, you know, football and teams and stuff. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of these old films and it occurred to me, what if somebody made, uh, an AstroTurf shoe, but kind of updated it for the street? Um, so in the vein of like some of these kind of retro inspired sneaker designs that are, that are all the rage now. Um, so there was a guy that I ghost wrote, I actually book doctored a manuscript for a sports agent named Eugene Lee. He was the, the focus of an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary a couple years ago, uh, called the dotted line. But I worked, so I worked on this book project with Eugene. Um, we stayed friends and we were on the phone a few months ago and I was like, Eugene, this is probably a crazy idea, but just hear me out. And I dropped the turf shoe idea on him and he loved it. Um, he's like, this is amazing. Let me make a few calls. I'm sure a couple of my players can endorse. So the thing just snowballed such that uh, we reached out to a hipster shoe designer in Nashville. Um, so we have our own hipster now on retainer. <laughs> and, um, our, our 
shoe design hipster has designed the first like wave of designs. Uh, we have a company name. We're incorporated now. Um, you know, we've got like a couple of financial industry guys involved from New York. Eugene's involved. I'm involved. And uh, and yeah, man, this is uh, it's super fun. I'm really, really enjoying it. And I think I think it has legs. Like, I think it's the kind of thing that could um, if it hits the marketplace right, it could do really well. Dude, so you've what's cool is that it's local. So you've been in the the factory space, I, I assume. Dude, no, we're not even to the factory space point yet. So like the way the shoe business works is you make <laughs> This is not a conversation, know, by the way, I ever thought I'd be having with anyone. Yeah, I know all you, about but... the shoe business now. I've been in it for two and a half months. <laughs> and by in it, I mean I have an idea and we've we've started a company. But uh, the the way the shoe business works is you create like the designs first. And that's where we are. So we've got we've gotten a round of designs in, and then we've hired Zach another hipster. Um, <laughs> Hipsters on this hipster. hipster. Yeah, this this is a Portland hipster though. Okay, oh, so I feel boy. like we've, we've even leveled up our hipster game a little bit, in that we now have a Portland hipster who's making prototypes. So wow. you go from design to prototype, and then you take the prototype around to manufacturers and see like what what it's going to cost in different volumes to manufacture the shoe. So it's quite a laborious, like it's a, it's a long road to get from, you know, design to marketplace with your shoe. But, um, but that's the way we're doing it. We want to manufacture in the U S so we want to do kind of like artisanal small batch runs of these various designs. And we want them done in the U S so that they're not like cheaply made in some, in some sweatshop overseas. So um, we're excited about it, man. We're looking at, looking at Detroit, looking at Memphis maybe for manufacturing. So some good nice. gritty, like blue collar American cities, man. We're, uh, we're, we're pumped about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And what you're, are you like an hour from Memphis? Yeah, I'm just an hour from Memphis. And honestly, like, so we're a couple hours from Nashville, an hour from Memphis. I far prefer Memphis. Like I really, really like Memphis a lot. Um, it's an easy city to get around in. They have awesome things to do in restaurants and just very cool cities. That's so, pretty much just uh, as well known for kind of the blues guitar, like musical vibe, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not Absolutely. second to Nashville. Yeah. That's right. Beale street in Memphis. Um, you know, it's right on the Mississippi river. It's a great town, man. Great, great town. I'm a huge fan. Nice dude. I, so how much are a pair of these shoes? If you can make the price point right where you want it, what is it going to cost somebody? It sounds like something that should be expensive. Like uh, it's going to be a little bit expensive. So, I mean, if I could make the price point where I wanted it, it would be less than a hundred dollars, but it's probably going to run like a hundred to 120, um, which is not outlandish for kind of a, a, a higher end sort of custom sneaker. Um, you know, so it's it's competitive with the rest of the marketplace, and especially since we're 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 making them American, we're going to make them in small batches. You know, there there aren't going to be a lot of people walking around with the same shoe that you have. So there's some there's definitely some hipster uh, cachet, some excitement in that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Only I don't so, know, hip, I'm stoked. do hipsters like? Will they know what kind of shoe this is? I mean, like this sounds like you have to have been something of a jock yeah. at some point in your life. I think they'll know that it's kind of retro inspired by you know, football history. And some of the partnerships that we're, that we're making are with like old players from the era, like big name players from that era. We're going to have some current players. Um, so we hope that there's some crossover kind of with the, the youth market, but also the kind of vintage retro market as well. So, um, so yeah, we'll just see, man, you never really know until you try. That's the kind of the scary thing about it, but also the exciting thing about Dude, it. Dude, that's awesome. Uh, now too bad they don't do print on demand shoes. Cause there's not a risk there. 
Dude, that's right. Yeah, print-on-demand shoes. It would change the shoe industry <laughs> in the same way that print-on-demand changed the publishing industry and made us moguls, right. Zach. Well, you're going to be um, a mogul twice over, it sounds like. I'm going to be, Lord willing, I'll be a mogul twice over, you know. Uh, that's the idea, but we'll, we'll see. There's a lot of, a lot of ground to cover before, uh, before I can claim like two, two moguls, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> you've got two hipsters, still like a, but I'm, you're not yet two moguls. I've got two hipsters, but I'm not yet two moguls. That's, that's where it stands. Absolutely. So Zach, we, uh, we got everybody together via Skype the other night and, um, we did something that started as a tradition years ago when we both lived in the same Metro area. And that is to, watch a really crappy movie together and talk over it and make fun of it. And it was so fun to do that just with uh, the four of us. We decided to open that up to the, inc- the entire Gut Check Army and, and let uh, all of our listeners in on that fun. So uh, we did this once before with a Steven Seagal picture. And we're back again. We're back with more movie commentary. And this time the picture is Dead Poet Society. So Dead Poet Society being kind of the the archetypal faux deep '90s New England boys' school movie, which I feel like it was it, that was its own genre in the Dude, '90s. Dude, it's the Ethan Hawke um, of movies. It's the Ethan Hawke of movies, absolutely. <laughs> and Ethan Hawke is is Mister '90s, of course. So he plays a prominent role, and he plays the mopey Todd Anderson character in Dead Poets Society. And um, we we both had a lot to say about that movie, and um, I'm excited to to drop this commentary and let people kind of in on um, what we were thinking vis-a-vis Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Are you going to say something? Uh, maybe? That was going to be like you'd fade in out and in would come our, our, our comments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in would come our comments. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what I want it to be. That's okay. what I so, so I was kind of like pausing while we like imagine the, the, the real is going, right? <laughs> exactly. So we have to wait. Yeah, we have for, to wait the, the length of how long the yeah, comments will be. Opening uh, raisinets loudly. Movie. What's that? I'm loudly opening raisinets. That's usually what I'm doing on the program. Yes. And you know what? I'm, I'm viewing some some fresh-faced boys at a boys' school, and it looks like they're assembling a, a bagpipe. Is that what you're Naturally. Seeing? I'm yeah. seeing that, yeah. You know and there's like a straw hat. You know what was huge in the 90s, baby? What's up? Boys' schools. Boys' school movie. <laughs> You know, there's this movie I haven't thought about or talked about in decades. <laughs> it's called School Ties. You have you heard of this one? Me. Yes, I, <laughs> I hear of it each time we record an episode. When I speak of it, <laughs> Zach, are our noses going to look like that when we're old men? Did you see that old man's nose? You mean giant and porous and like gin blossomed? Yes, of course. <laughs> Depending on how much whiskey we have. Exactly. Oh, the sound of bagpipes. bagpipes. Robert this Sean is the sound Leonard, of- baby. He stopped existing right after the 90s got over. I don't he? even know who that is. Who is that? He's the main guy in here. I thought Ethan Hawke was the main guy. Well, Ethan Hawke is the main guys. guy, but Robert Sean Leonard is like his roommate. What about Chris O'Donnell? Is he in this? I hope so. Yes, he is. And nobody has met... No, wait. Maybe. No, he's not. The guy from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead is here. Which guy? The Grunions. The guy who oh, right, guy. right, right. Yeah, that but, guy's in all the 90s. The Grunion run. We haven't told anybody what this is. We'll say it when we introduce the clips. Oh, all right. It's the Dead Poet Society. Yeah. Listen, this is me eating popcorn. Zach, we have to decide if we were running this boys' school who we would be. And, and, and you can't say Robin Williams. That's off limits. I would never be Robin Williams anyway. 
Um, I'm gonna have to hold off on that because I barely remember this movie. I don't remember anything we've seen so far, even though I've seen this like 12 times. Oh, baby, I haven't seen this since the 90s. I don't remember a dang thing about it. Not one thing. I remember that it sucks. That's all I remember. Same. <laughs> and that everybody else loves it. That's Robert Sean Leonard. Dude, and next to him is Red from that 70s show, also known as the bad guy on RoboCop. Nice. Remember, he's always like kind of like like chewing gum knowingly on RoboCop and killing people. Dude, I love when they chew gum knowingly. <laughs> was that Busfield? Was that Busfield? Dude, it might have been Busfield. I gotta see him again. I think that was Busfield. What's notable about this? What's notable about this is how clean cut Ethan Hawke is. <laughs> He doesn't have the floppy 90s hair yet. He's not, his is pre-flop. The last movie we yeah. saw him in was Reality Bites. There's a Grunion run. Hey, directed by Peter Weir, I said. Give me Peter Weir, I said. <laughs> you know, we, we always say that like Saul Rosenberg, but it was actually Rizzo who says it. Interesting. Revisionist Revisionism. It's been a few yeah. years since I've listened to the Jerky Boys, too. I'd be this guy. So far, this is who I am. This this is this bald, old, wrinkled man. I want to be the guy with the bulbous nose. <laughs> I want to be a fresh faced teacher too. That is there, Busfield, there man, isn't it? That was Busfield. I, I think it is. I gotta see him again, just one more time to confirm. So, Ted, just in case people don't know, you have a little bit of a complicated history with Busfield. I do. We have a past. I've thrown footballs with Timothy Busfield. In fact, I've taught him how to throw a football because he was almost. Uh, the lead character in, in my movie. Let me ask you something. If you had to spend a day this month with Busfield or with Tebow, who would you choose? Oh my gosh, dude, that's awful. <laughs> I would honestly I would honestly choose Busfield. Alright. What if you had oh. to relive the day you already spent with either Busfield or Tebow? Which would you choose? Ooh, interesting baby. You know, I would choose Tebow because I was I, I was in a nice town. I was in Mobile, Alabama, which is actually right on the on the Gulf Coast and is nice. And instead of spending the time with Tebow, I would spend it just on my own exploring Mobile. Is that an option? Zach, did you ever want to go to a boys' school when you were this age? No. Me neither. I, I have trouble ascertaining which one of these guys is Ethan Hawke at this point. They all look like Ethan Hawke. They're all the Ethan Hawke of, of Ethan Hawke. <laughs> They're all the Ethan Hawke of this movie. Oh, you can tell because he has the gray He has the gray jacket. jacket, yeah. And they all Ooh. have, like, sharp, dark jackets. Baby, every 90s boarding school boys movie started in this fashion. Lolling around in the dorm and one of them smoking a cigarette. And one of them outsider. Would you be smoking a cigarette or would you be the outsider? Case, yeah, I would be the outsider smoking a cigar. <laughs> That's not Busfield. No, it's not. Definitely not. It, it could be though. That's like a second string bus field. Yeah, it's poor. What do you think of? Uh, it's a poor man's bus field. What do you think of boys that call their dad father instead of dad? Mm. Do you think that's a really obvious like screenplay tactic? It means that they don't hug; they shake hands. But at the end, they'll hug. Actually, they won't though. If you if you recall what happened to this character, <laughs> he'll hug his dead body. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Know, you know. I had to hit record again. I, I want you to say that again, though, Kristen. You think this is a superior movie to what? To School Ties. Oh, to School Ties. <laughs> you what? think Dead Poet Society is a better movie. Right? How well, when was the last time you watched it? It it has been a while since yeah, I watched yeah. it. It's a turd. 
And, you know, that's very artistic, so... Kristen, as you remember it, what is the point of Dead Poet Society? Um, the point is that arts make life worth living. Huh. That's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> and, what, and what is the... And what is the, the main thing that um, Keating in kind of inspires or um, passes on to his, his students? Um, I remember them ripping a bunch of pages out of books. I feel like that was a thing that happened. Okay, so arts but not pages of books are valuable. That's right. Arts are valued. Pages of books at this point are not. I think that's kind of where Keating's coming from. That's his See, deal. I think... I think this is a this is a movie that is fundamentally about nonconformity, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, it's about not being a uh, just another kid in a blazer <laughs> who's trying to make his dad happy. Right, right. being willing to talk back to your dad. Yeah, mm. take that, dad. And then ultimately, what a terrible message. <laughs> Wait, yeah, if you and if you can't have your way and be in a play, spoiler, kill yourself. Spoiler yeah. alert. We're not recording. Oh, <laughs> but we've all seen it. Yeah. Yeah, so the, I think the message is if if you if you're not able to be in the play, you should you should just go ahead and kill yourself. I think he actually was in the play though, right? Yeah, he was. And he killed himself. So right. be in the play. <laughs> maybe then kill yourself. Maybe maybe he was stressed because he had the play and swim practice. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I got stand on the desk. <laughs> I'm getting the idea that this is a really tough school. Yeah. This is a montage, but it's not a montage of frolicking in the surf or, or beating on sides of beef. It's a montage of sitting in classrooms. That's right. <laughs> Just as... Ex- oh, oh, I see. Oh, so they, they set the kind of everything's boring expectation, and now we're going to get the exception, That's which right. is... Kristen, I think that the, the main thing people pull out of this movie, whether it was intended or not, is learning should be fun! <laughs> which it shouldn't. Right. Zach, how comfortable are we with making fun of Robin Williams, given the fact that he's dead? 110%. Okay. It's been a while, right? It has, yeah. A couple of years? Oh, crap. I just got raisinets everywhere. Zach, you know who I like in this so far? Who? The tall guy with a flat top. That guy. <laughs> That's a good guy with a good flat top. Yes. I feel like in real life, he would have been the leader. You know what I mean? <laughs> Look at that. He said no. He told someone that his interpretation was wrong. I wonder if there are college students or, or, or master's students right now who watch this and they're like, oh, that's terrible. You never tell a student that their interpretation of a text is wrong. <laughs> it is terrible. He would be fired for that nowadays. <laughs> he acknowledged their hormones. Now, that's kind of creepy. Dude, you know that this guy's creepy. Why is he doing all those voices? I wish he'd do a walk-in. <laughs> Here's the thing about um, Robin Williams. Uh-huh. His impressions all suck. Dude, remember when it, Walken was on our show last week and he, he read the tweet? That was great. Dude, there's always a whole bunch of these shower scenes in these 90s. Yeah, but in these 90s ones, you don't get butt. That's true. I feel like the 90s was butt in the movie, like, uh, requisite. <laughs> I don't know. You don't get any butts in this one. Are you upset about that? Or? Well, yeah. You know, if it's going to be all boys, you got to see some butts. These boys are in their like early he looks teens. So young. He okay, is. He is so young, Aaron. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't see his butt then. That's what I'm saying. Look how weaselly and skinny these kids are. How is it that so much time has passed that he's now in his late eighties? <laughs> now, now, what's the deep significance of him ripping that out and crumpling it up? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's so hard to figure out what the filmmaker wanted us to take away from that scene. <laughs>
Zach, where is Welton Academy geographically? What are we looking at? Uh, New England, I think. Yeah, they never have a, a, a 90s movie boy school in, like, you know, Muncie, Indiana. You know what I mean? Omaha. Yeah. <laughs> this is South yeah. Central New England. She's not hot. Why are you gobsmacked? Because he goes to an all-boys school. Dude, no, everybody's hot when you go to an all-boys school. Who is that red-haired kid? I don't know. He's in other stuff. I think it's Busfield. <laughs> no. Every redhead red is Busfield. Head. Dude, I wish my name was Chet Danbury. <laughs> Would you guys think of me differently if my name was Chet Danbury? You know what I think about Zach in terms of my teaching? What? I wish I was, I wish I was more stern like that guy. You should do it. Try it. Like, I don't even without know running, how. just be like that tomorrow. I might. Which would be the opposite direction from most teachers take away from this movie. Right. Because I guarantee there were a bunch of teachers on desks after this. Here's the thing, though. If you exactly. stand on your desk and touch your students' lives in a nebulous way, you're going to get fired. <laughs> Is that Busfield? <laughs> That's Busfield, there. So he's having them remove a section of the book that he doesn't agree with. The introduction. He said, it's not the Bible, you're not going to go to hell. But you know he doesn't believe in the Bible either. That's part of his sexiness. Why is he crouching? You know what he's doing? He's doing what waiters do these days. Yeah, where they like, like try that. to get down on your level. That bothers Aaron a lot. She gets like murderously mad. Zach, let me ask you a question. If you were in this group of boys listening to this lecture from Robin Williams, would you, would you have been earnest about it or would you have been rolling your eyes? At that age... Yeah. But what are they, 15, 16? Yeah. I think I would have been like, oh man, I'm, I'm understanding things more deeply than most people. Here's the thing, though. It's not realistic that all the boys... Right. Nobody, like, that. jokes about it. Nobody's off in the corner, like... Yeah, that's, that is ridiculous. Doing something else. Did you know what we're going to realize upon watching this as adults? Hmm. The fact that, like, everything George says is basically right. <laughs> George, he's supposed to be, like, the killjoy. Yeah, he's the killjoy, but he's actually probably right about... 90% of things. Yeah, yeah. And he's not even being that big of a jerk about it. He didn't, like, like read him the riot act when he walked in on them tearing out the pages. Dude, it's yeah. sort of like watching Top Gun again and realizing that Iceman never did anything wrong. And he was yeah, basically the kind of bite guy. the air at, at people. And then, other than that, yeah, all he did was, like... Bite the air at people. And he, like, dominated at, at, at both fighter jet flying and volleyball. He was better at everything than Tom Cruise. That was the only thing he did wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, oh. You guys, I think the the dumbest thing about this movie yeah. is that it's called Dead Poet Society, and they learn almost nothing about the original Dead Poet Society mm. that uh, that Keating had been part of, yeah. and then they try to emulate it by doing like just being corny and stupid, and then he gets fired. One of them dies, and and nothing comes of it at all. Yeah. It's really an indictment of them and their inability to, like, really follow through with anything. Exactly. <laughs> These boys are all, like, they've had every advantage. Yeah. This is the, mo this is the, this is the definition of, like, like upper-crust white privilege. Yeah. And yet, all they do is whine and moan that they're not special enough and kill themselves because of it. That's true. They're a disappointment. But I feel like the okay. 90s were a good time for that. Yeah, the 90s. You know what? There's overlap with another Ethan Hawke movie we all recently watched, is there not? Yeah. Wait, which one? Reality Bites? Reality Bites. Absolutely. This was the genesis of Ethan Hawke, like, doing what Ethan Hawke does. Doing Ethan Hawke things. <laughs> I feel 
feel like mostly he's just sort of stared dumbly. I mean, that's all he ever did. That's all he did in Reality Bites. <laughs> they didn't just read poetry, they let it drip from their tongues. Women didn't swoon. It was an all-boys school. He's just making crap up, and they buy into it. Did you know what these movies were big on? What's that? Demerits. Yeah. <laughs> they were just talking about demerits. Ted, would you be in? Probably not, man. I would have probably let everybody else go and then slept when it was quiet in the dorm. <laughs> Even when you were at your, like, 90s poetiest? No, poetry was a very, like, solitary thing for me in the 90s. It, right, it didn't yeah. involve other people. You didn't want to share it with a bunch of, like... <clears throat> like here's the thing. These are, guys are all very clumsy with their thoughts and words. Yeah. I, I, as I, the, the one line from this that I remember is that, like, someone gets pushed to, like, say something, like, poetic... And he uh, says, like, crazy teeth madman. And then he's, like, rewarded for saying that non sequitur. That like, that's what poetry is about. It's about just yeah. feeling the words, not actually skillfully putting them together. Which is really a bunch of crap. Yeah. You know what I like? Is all, I like all these guys' flannel bathrobes. Yeah. Those look really comfortable and cozy to me. <laughs> I think there ought to be more running through the mist slow motion in this movie. I feel like the Cobra Kai are about to jump out and kick somebody's... <laughs> I feel like some of this time could have been spent with character development. <laughs> this is character development in this movie. Seeing them run through the fog is how you know who they are. So, like, this guy was not super happy, but he wasn't suicidal before Keating came yeah. and told him how disaffected he should feel. And that's what that you know, no-nonsense teacher was warning him about. Exactly! Oh my gosh, that guy is so... What's that guy's name, Ted? I don't know. His name's Tom, I think. Dude, that guy, that guy's the, hero, the hero of the, of the picture. picture. Absolutely. You guys are always bumming my smokes, man. Harsh toke. <laughs> All of these guys went on to play stoners. Notice that. <laughs> I thought these guys were supposed to be reading poetry, not just, like, telling stories to one another. Yeah, so basically they're swapping urban legends, and that's the deep thing. That That's their, that's their free thinking. Like, kids don't do that unless they have the advantage of, of a super... <laughs> Like enlightened English prof. <laughs> Max, two kids in this whole school would be down to get together in a cave and read Tennyson to each other. Am I right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Although they they brought their little porno with them, so that makes it fun for everyone. Yeah, right. There's a little something for everybody in this. <laughs> that's your true. stupid dirty limericks, your like urban legends, and cookies yeah. that came out of your pocket. Yeah, pocket cookies. <laughs> Fake bus field. Is this a conga line? Is that what's happening now? I think so. This makes me so mad. Someone's got a, like, a little mouth harp going. Also called a Jews harp, by the way. Dude, they totally le left a fire going in that cave. Also, you guys, that, that whole scene only would have made sense the way it ended if they had been drinking alcohol or smoking pot. <laughs> Am I right? That's true. They're high on life. Are you a man or an amoeba? He's an amoeba at this point. <laughs> But he's about to grow into a snivelly 90s man. <laughs> There's always a time when Robin Williams in a movie does a voice that sounds like Robin Williams. And everyone pretends that it was brilliant because he did a voice that sounded like himself doing a voice. And then he just did Marlon Brando. What year is this? I can do that good of a John Wayne impression. At, you know who else can? Everyone. everyone. And that kid has braces. This what is year like, is this? This is like 1987, basically. <laughs> what year do you think it's supposed to be, Ted? Say that again? Early 50s, judging by the, the cars, I guess? Fencing looks fun, Zach. Yeah, I would like to fence with you, Ted. I feel <laughs> like you and I would be good at fencing. 
We would be good at fencing, I agree. Well, I don't understand why he wrapped a blanket around himself and started leaping from bunk to bunk. Does anyone understand that? Yes, I... I said maybe it's chilly in there. Maybe it's a little... a little dry. <laughs> Everybody's so dramatic at this school. Yeah. For a bunch of dudes, they're... they're just really dramatic. It'd be exhausting to be, like, in this friend group. You know what I mean? Dude, that's Busfield. That's exactly. another Busfield. There's so many Busfields in this movie. <laughs> Now they're all leaping from bunk to bunk. What is happening? Now I bet now a grumpy old uh, administrator of some kind is going to. Exactly, that guy oh, had no, a flute. They, they cut it off those, before they got Did he get it in the roost? Did he get it yes. in, in in Jerusalem? <laughs> it was very much like actually. The roost I gave him one of my extras <laughs> yeah. because I was like, "What am I going to do with yeah. all these flutes?" You know. <laughs> I bet Chet Danbury's a football player. Dude, so can you look any more like a like waspy rich kid than to come up on a bicycle with a white <laughs> sweater right. tied around your neck and slowly yeah. put on your sunglasses? I feel like he's gonna get beat up. I don't remember any of this movie, but I am pretty sure. Pretty sure I this guy's gonna he be does, beat down actually. here. Poetry kickball, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is what I sure. want to know, Ted. You've written a screenplay. So, as like a producer or a director or actor, possibly reading yeah. the screenplay, they came to this scene right. of poetry kickball, and we're like, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna make that." Yeah, movie. I mean, it, I think at some level you just, as an actor, you're just happy to be in any movie. So you probably overlook the fact that there's a poetry <laughs> kickball scene. Maybe I don't know. I want to see like a whole that. movie about, like, a poetry kickball league, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to write that and call it Balls of Fury. They're all laughing at him. This is the first realistic thing that's happened in this whole movie. The fact that they laugh at this guy when he reads his poem and is, and is kind of... Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Vulnerable. Oh, you're laughing her up. I've got that, pleated khakis. I feel like if you were a character in this movie, you would be that smirky guy... You would be the smirky the guy, I agree. He's always kind of smirking at everything. Oh, here it this is. scene makes me uncomfortable. I feel embarrassed for everyone in it. <laughs> Dude, you know what I often do during uncomfortable scenes in movies? What's that? Go in the hallway? I'll come up with it. No, I'll come up with an excuse to leave the room. Don't like, oh, stay. Gotta, no, stay gotta, You have to work through this. Power through it, buddy. Okay. Ted, I want to you yop. Will you yop? Ted, will you yop? <laughs> Aaron, yop. Give me a barbaric yop. A barbaric yop? Yeah, do it. Yop! <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Free up your mind, you guys. Mm. A sweaty tooth madman. He's like, congratulations, you just said something that makes no sense. Which means you're a poet. Which means you're a poet. Yeah, that's what poets do. <laughs> And now I'm assaulting you. Yeah, no right. joke. It's not excellent. You're lying to him. This is stupid. See, this is the kind of poetry that Zach does not like. Mm. The sort of spat out, you know, open mic night. Oh, yeah. Which is 98% of the poetry that one would encounter in life. Like in, in the ordinary goings on of life. Yeah. And the most people who present themselves and declare themselves poets, this is what they do. Right. 
What if some people just another... really aren't deep, Zach? What if, what if, like a third of the guys in that class just aren't very deep or thoughtful? What happens to them? That's a conservative estimate. Yeah. So he decided to put on that beret and thought that would make mm -hmm. him a poet. This is... It happens sometimes. This is the smirky guy, Aaron. This is the Zach figure. Yeah, it is. The... Well, Zach plays the saxophone. It's true. I play it much better you know? than this guy. I've never seen him wear Zach, a beret, Zach, I played though. the saxophone in, in, like, middle school. Yeah. I know, man. He plays... That's all right right there. He's quite good. See? He was just screwing with him. All right. Look how Baby, you don't like to admit that he's a good saxophone smirk. player. You feel threatened by him. It's <laughs> you. Don't feel threatened by how, you. How is this guy me? This guy's... I don't get it. Because he's always kind of smirking at everything, and he's laughing at it. He's, he's serious about his saxophone music, and he's like, really, he's playing it deeply at this guy. Then he mussed his hair. Tussled his hair. Knox Overstreet is his name. That's a killer name. Dude, his name is Knox Dude, Overstreet. Ted, say it. Say what you can't do if that's your name. You can't fail if that's your name. You can't fail. You cannot. <laughs> if you're Knox, if you're freaking Knox Overstreet. Dude, you know what else is a great name, though? Chet Danbury, and one of them's going to fail. Yeah. And that one of them isn't going to get that girl. I wish I'd named my kid Knox Overstreet Cluck. <laughs> you know, I think legally, you, you until they're 18, you can change it at a whim, you change know? And my other kid, Chet Danbury Cluck. <laughs> <laughs> How would that go over with Maxim tomorrow morning if over over breakfast I shared with him that I'm, I'm changing his name, Chet <laughs> <Yeah>, Danbury? <laughs> I feel like he would just kind of roll with it. He would. He'd be very cool about it. Oh, no. And guess what? The guys wouldn't all be like, aww. They'd all be like busting his balls. Yeah, you know, a woman wrote this. I, I was guarantee say, it. I, I feel like there's a lot of femininity in a lot of this. Yeah. You know, Aaron, I don't see gender though, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the only thing that they're missing is cattiness. <laughs> Dude, it'd be great if these guys were more catty with one another. Oh my gosh, you, you guys, this is the most faux deep thing they, that the '90s produced. I really believe that this was. It peaked early, the yeah. 90s. Yeah, the 90s yeah. produced and, and a lot of faux deep things. Yeah, What's yeah. faux deeper than this, though? I don't know. I think I think you might be right. The reason that guy was looking sidelong down at them from his, his uh -huh. ivory tower, like this guy isn't teaching anything to his class, is because this guy isn't teaching anything to his class. He's supposed to be an English teacher. He's not teaching them yeah. the, the material. They would get an F. Oh, here's the scene, Ted, with the desk set and the, the freaking... Uh, what desk set? What you call it? The the leather blotter. There's a blotter scene, right here. This is it. Oh yes. See, his his parents gave him the same desk set last year. Dude, I would be thrilled to get oh, that. Oh, that's desk. a little on the nose too. He's turning up his nose at Ted, the desk set. He doesn't like it. Ted, I wish I had two of those desk sets. Guess what I'd do with the second one? <laughs> You'd send it to me, baby, and I'd be thrilled to get it. I wouldn't be whining about it like Ethan Hawke. I can tell you that much. I sure wouldn't throw it into the river because not only is that like a waste of a good desk set, it's also it's littering and dude, look at how nice that set is. I want that really bad. I wish I'd been walking like down underneath that bridge. I would have totally like caught that desk set. Those girls shouldn't have followed a guy into the woods into, into a, a cave. cave. They're lucky to be in one piece right That's now. The first thing you teach your daughter, you know, never follow a guy into a cave. Don't follow a sweaty tooth madman into a cave if you know what I mean. <laughs> Ted, do you feel like the the jocks with their varsity letters are being kind of 
uh, pigeonholed as as all meatheads and jerks and, and, and non poetic people. Um, I take umbrage with it because it's hurtful to me. To um, I feel like they, you know, it's just unfair. Now, see, this is the only reason these guys would be like, I'm pretending exactly. to be into poetry to woo women. Well, that's I feel what like that's Keating what said. Two-thirds of guys do who pretend to be into poetry. They're just trying to, like, impress a chick. This is like... This is like guys who, like, learn four chords on a guitar <laughs> and then learn, like, seven songs and then always bring an acoustic <laughs> guitar to every party they go to. I wish there was an alternate Dead Poet Society that was the story of Chet Danbury at his public school. Uh, I think we're going to write that. Yeah. <laughs> you can at least we... write a short story. Or, or a screenplay. <laughs> do you think the Gut Check Army needs that? I think we do. This is not okay to do. No, it isn't. No, it's not. She's asleep and he's very touching asleep. her. She's very, She's very extremely and, and asleep. inebriated. Oh my gosh, I feel... I don't even want to see this. And you guys, topical, am I right? Yeah, yeah. It Dude, is hashtag topical. me too over here. Dude, he's about to get beat down by Chet Danbury. I hope so. Oh, well, somebody just noticed. Chet! Chet, there's Chet, you guys! Beat him down, Chet. Do it, Chet. Don't say no, you were. You know you were. Boom! Dude, look how he just rolled up into a ball. Do something. Have some self-respect. Dude, why didn't Chet uh, Danbury have more of a career actor-wise after this? I feel like he's got leading man <laughs> written all over him. You guys, there were at least two felonies in that scene. Mm -hmm. You can't tell someone you're going to kill them the next time you see them without going to prison. <laughs> Dude, the super earnest guy is mad that he did the thing with the article. <laughs> Could you see on his nonverbals that he was upset about that? Yeah. It was definitely like Saved by the Bell level of, <laughs> of uh, nonverbal reaction. There is some definite Saved by the Bell stuff going on yeah. here. Dude, who's the Zach Morris in this group? Mm. Trick question. It's Chet Danbury. <laughs> Dude, you know what? I'm going to write an alternate Dead Poets Society from the perspective of the brass. And it's just going to be a lot of committee meetings between these gentlemen. Yes. The true, the true heroes. Will if there you will. be a lot of jowls, sort of? Shaking. There'll be a lot of shaking jowls. There'll be a lot of like <laughs> snifters of brandy and, and pipes being smoked. Here's the thing: you know these guys know how to have a good time in the right setting. That's right. right? There's a time and a place. Yes. I'm gonna remove my glasses like that next time I have a speech. Look how smug that guy is. Is this me? Yeah. Oh, you're right. This is me, you guys. <laughs> Is he gonna, the position. Dude, what was that you were saying earlier about homoerotic stuff in these movies? Do not. Never mind. He just had to assume the position. I was wrong. He's spank him? I feel like the brass is in the wrong here. <laughs> My movie about the brass isn't going to focus on this aspect so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're not smirking anymore, are you? <laughs> Zach, were you ever chastened like that? Did you ever have a moment where, like, uh, someone removed the smirk from you in that way? I mean, not in that way exactly, but. <laughs> um, you know, I, I remain unchastened to this day. 
tradition. This guy's Calvinism and John Keating is the emergent church. <laughs> Seriously, that's, that's it. That's what's oh, happening right. here. Dude, if, if he had a Twitter account, he'd be retweeting uh, Rachel Held Evans nonstop. Dude, he would. He'd be insufferable about it, too. Dude, is he gonna? Is he in, like, Dude, Chet he's on Dander? Chet's turf. He's, he's gonna get a beat. Yeah. This guy's gonna yeah. get beat down again. Dude, this guy just wants a bunch of public school beatings. <laughs> he's gonna read oh, a poem. Oh, oh. oh, no. 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 Don't, don't read it. I have to leave the room. <laughs> no, you have to stay here. If we're watching this, you have to watch it. What is going on with that cheese? Wait a minute. What happened with the rest of this? Is he feeling good about himself? He's feeling he, all he's jaunty. He's feeling Why? very good about himself. How did and they... that piece of toast lasted all the way to his own school. Yeah, that's a, that is an ever-ending toast. He read his poem to her. And we're running after you like little girls. Yeah, no. This whole thing would make more sense if this was like a third grade girls school. <laughs> Baby, maybe that's the alternate script we need to write. <laughs> now, how did uh, his dad know he was going to do this? Was he just playing the odds? Like, I bet that that little insolent <laughs> wad is going to like go through with it. Maybe his dad just maybe he's a frequenter of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he didn't want his son in something because right. he didn't want him to know his secret. You guys like. There was an understudy too, whose whole he could have had his moment to shine if he was guy would have just listened to his father. <laughs> Dude, I think Keating has a sense that that guy is definitely not going to make it till morning. Do you think Keating has a sense that he's ruined everyone's lives? I hope so, but I <laughs> sort of feel like he's he's not going to ever own up to that. Mm. I like that turtleneck on him though; it's looking good. It's nice. He's really wearing that turtleneck thing. and tweed. Yeah, I feel like there are almost no teacher movies that aren't completely full of crap. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're all melodramatic. Maybe Stand and Deliver. That's the only one. Ah! That's a good one. Are you being sarcastic? Yes. What? You think this is a better movie than that? No. Okay. I just don't think that one's any good. I think School Ties is the only good teacher movie. <laughs> are there any teachers in that one? It, the teachers are implied. It's more of an implied teacher movie. <laughs> Ted, do you wear that kind of pajamas? <laughs> no. I wish I was a guy who wore, like, old man pajamas, but I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. I'd be all hot. Yeah. And I wish that I, like, lined up my slippers like that, just like that. Dude, it's a, it's a, it's a friction deal with the pajamas and the sheets. They get all twisted yeah. around, you know? Yeah, there's, there's no sleeping going to happen. I'd be, like, just getting mad at my pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, he's, like... Having a connection, like a psychic link to his pajamas. <laughs> this is the last time Folded on the bed. Pajamas. There. Like, yeah, goodbye pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> you guys think maybe there's a Christ figure thing going on here with that kind of crown of thorns motif? Dude, there was a globe in the bottom right corner in the last scene. Maybe they'll show it again at the last mm -hmm. uh, angle, and it was upside mm -hmm. down, like his world is turned <laughs> upside down. That is so deep, man. Look at this. Look at this. That's like the... the. Oh, my gosh. Everything was Christ figures in the 90s. Am I right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, this movie takes itself so seriously. Wait, so he just put on the crown to stand in front of the window, and now the crown's off. He just put it on to be like, you see how I'm a Christ figure? Eh? 
Eh, 90s. <laughs> they have some nice things, don't they, in that house? Dude, this kid's got every advantage, you know? That's, that's what his dad was trying to tell him. Every 90s movie had this, like, soundtrack moment, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just the ambient, drawn-out sounds. Mm -hmm. Little choral nothing. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Ah. I wanna, that's a, that's I wanna... a nice desk blotter. Right there, you should throw What's that out the window. I like how it is, like, the... I'm gonna rewrite this movie Dude. from the perspective of the desk stats. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think it's money to keep your revolver just, like, wrapped in a cloth? I do. I think everything about that desk is pretty money, to be honest. Well, jeez, break it to him nicely, you know? How do you break that to somebody? I don't know, but Neil's dead, right? The moment someone wakes up is probably not the best way. Hey, wake are you awake? Neil's dead. You should make him an omelet first and some French toast. <laughs> That sounds really good. I'm hungry. Are they going back to the cave, you guys? Is that what's happening now? I hate this movie, Zach. I hate everything about it, actually. <laughs> There's not the one thing I've liked about this movie, save for the lockers in Chet Danbury's high school. <laughs> the throwing up is in the movies is a 90s thing. Remember we talked about that, Ted? Like yeah, everyone would always crying. <laughs> vomiting is the new crying. <laughs> Until the 2000s. Yeah. This was a trendsetter. This was. Yeah, you had to come up with an emotion stronger than weeping, and it was puking. <laughs> now, why weren't they worried that he was going to throw himself into the icy lake? Which is what... Really, I would think they would all be kind of, like, looking out for each other at this moment. Since Keating has basically encouraged all of them to take their own lives. And now he's just going to kind of back out. He's just going to be like, I'm leaving, goodbye. My work yeah. here is done. Someone's what dead. Is done. What is the rest of his life like? What does he do after this? Uh, Aladdin. No! <laughs> not him! Keating. You guys, what are the odds that uh, the dad comes after him? Mm -hmm. Like... Vengeance. Yeah, you know, like, like vigilante style. Like Dead Poet Society 2, colon... Dead poet. <laughs> this thing is a turd, you guys. Dude, is that Busfield? It's Busfield. You know what? I'm gonna rewrite this from the perspective of the Busfield character. Schools go, schools go down. down. I've been around you guys. I've seen schools go down. I've been around. The school I used to go to in Canada went down. Yeah. <laughs> I just came to say goodbye, fellas. I knew you'd be up here in the luggage. <laughs> in the luggage. Hey, it's Busfield. Bus. <laughs> There's going to be a really sad fist fight. Here it comes. <laughs> He's a rat. There's nothing to tell about their club. Right. We went in a cave twice, we smoked some cigarettes, and we looked at a centerfold. Dude, the, the, the cave stuff was the best thing that ever happened to any of these kids. <laughs> Is that Busfield in the background? It's yes, Busfield in the background the and one. the foreground. <laughs> and that guy. <laughs> this is the worst movie. You guys, I, I ask a practical question. Yeah. Is this worse than Karate Kid 3? Uh, Zach, Ooh. yes it is. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, Karate Kid I, we, 3 We've got a split so jury bad. here. A hung jury. It is Zach, and here's why. There's no sink bathtub in this movie. 
It's worse than, <laughs> so that's another reason it's why worse than Karate Kid 3 because uh, Karate Kid 3 never pretended to be anything more than it was, whereas this movie like, right. masquerades as a deep artistic movie. Well, it's not <laughs> pretending to be a deep art. It, it actually thinks it is. It thinks it is. Yeah, so <laughs> Karate Kid 3 knew what it was. It was a, a turd. A low-budget <laughs> turd. Like, Barely avoiding being directed video <laughs> sequel movie. Yes. It, this one thinks it's a magnum opus. Yeah. Dude, I'd like to see a Dead Poet Society too. <laughs> I would like to see... The new class. Terry Silver takes over for Keating, you guys. <laughs> he, he has them gather around his sink tub and he, and he, he does his lectures from there. <laughs> they call him the bad boy of literature. <laughs> oh, man. Zach, you've been expelled. I've been expelled. Nuanda, that's me, has been expelled. <laughs> John Anderson. I want to be that guy. The guy who just uh-huh. shouts the names and it makes everyone come to their reckoning. John <laughs> Anderson. Ted Clark. <laughs> Follow me up these steps, Ted Clark. <laughs> I've got my paddle out. You know what Todd Anderson's problem is? What's that? He lacks an awesome name. Like, he's not called Knox Overstreet. Or, <laughs> or Chet Danbury. So that was funny comments from uh, Ted and myself and our wives, uh, Kristen and Aaron. Um, and you know what, mm-hmm. Ted? Something you were mentioning earlier about Mr. 90s. Uh, I did want to kind of yeah. give a shout out, which is a, a, a phrase I don't feel like I should use as a 39 and a half year old white male clergyman. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those phrases that that uh, no one says except like grandmas on AOL. But uh, exactly a, a greeting and a thank you to to the like six people at your live in Louisville event that uh, got up and asked questions of you uh, that were mm. more rooted in in this program than in that one. Yeah, that made yeah. my day. Uh, yes. <laughs> All kidding aside, there were a lot of crossover listeners at Live and Louie. Like most of the people that came up to talk to me and a lot of people did were were both gut check and happy rant listeners. Well, these boys need to come to uh, write like a man. That's for sure. They do. And they will absolutely come to write like a man. Um, we will drop more info about that as it becomes available. And we will see you next time. Yeah, no words. It's still coming.